Welcome to TEH, the Tech Enthusiast Hour podcast, where several hosts talk about what they find interesting in tech each week. The show notes for this episode are at tehpodcast.com slash teh80. We have three hosts this week. I'm Leo Notenboom, lover of coffee, corgis, computers, not always in that order. And of course, of course, I'm the Leo behind AskLeo.com. I'm Kevin Savitz. I am creator of freeprintable.net and faxzero.com. And I am podcasting from a brand new desk chair. And it seems to be super good. It's cushion. I'm leaning back and I'm enjoying it. Don't fall asleep. Hmm? What? what was that? Huh? What? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Keep it down. <laughs> I'm Gary Rosenzweig, the host and producer of uh, MacOS.com, where I do Mac tutorials and all sorts of mac related stuff so what have we been up to did, did we talk about your new house last week i honestly don't remember because there's if not there's more than a new chair here you're actually in a new location right yeah i mentioned that last week we had just moved last week and we're still still in the throes of uh of unpacking and getting the the tech various tech set up my my uh i had set up today i the list included uh my my wife liked the thing in the old house where you could say uh alexa turn on the tv and it did and uh because that was so much more convenient than like pressing a single button on a real easy remote (laughs) so uh we have the 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 logitech harmony remote which i have talked about before we liked it so much we got another one uh for, for this place. And it took me quite a bit of time today to kind of convince the Alexas that we're in a new house with a different Harmony hub. Stop trying to talk to the old one and stop trying to talk to the old stereo, which I don't have anymore because it's in the old house, which isn't coming with me. And it, so it kind of took some like massaging and like they're there to, to uh, convince it that there's a new television in town and uh, the, the, the Logitech Harmony was fine with it, but convincing the Alexa Dingus to uh, play with it th- this time was a little trickier. But I got to work and now you can say, you know, turn on Hulu and it turns on the TV so you don't have to reach over and press that extra button because that was such an inconvenience. Um, let's see what else happening with the house. I The house has a garage door opener and it has a little uh, keypad on the outside where you can you know type a code and hit open and open the door if you don't have the clicker with you right pretty standard stuff um and so it was within my purview to figure out how to make that work and of course the previous owners didn't tell us what their code was so i had to find the the manual for, for this thing. Um, I was a, only a little surprised at exactly how insecure the whole system of the keypad remote is um, for a very popular brand of, of uh, garage door. It was basically, if you don't know your code, uh, enter this other code, hold the button for 10 seconds, and then enter your new code. There's your new code. And it was just like, really? So I could walk into up to you know 40% of the houses in America and get into the garage Wow! with this knowledge. It was a little scary. It's kind of like the default passwords on routers, you know? It's just mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you just need this one little piece of information and you get entry anywhere. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, security theater. I saw a, thing, a video uh, this week, uh, Kevin Mitnick, uh, famous hacker guy, uh, security consultant now, um, posted on 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 twitter um and he did a this thing it was just like he's like dudes don't trust the the little safe in your in your hotel room and oh, of course yeah and you know and he's just like and he actually took like he had like five thousand dollars in bills and he put it in the safe and then um he set the code and he's just like now watch this and he entered the code of zero 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 and it opened right up. That's <laughs> the default code for that safe. And this was exactly that thing, except it's like my house with everything in it. <laughs> I've often wondered about those safes because I see them all the time and they say, you know, set your own code, but you know, you know, there's got to be a back door because people forget passwords, people forget pins, people forget whatever they forget. And, and you got to know that the hotel's got to have a way to get back in. Right. Yeah. I just wish it weren't that easy. Yeah. So, um, so that was interesting to to do, you know. I, I set my code, but you know, it's 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 all it's like it's just like having a deadbolt on your door. It's just like a, a courtesy, you know. It's just like a you know rattle the doorknob and 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 you know I mean a thief would rattle the doorknob and go yeah I, I could I could get past this deadbolt, but it's not worth my time. And it's kind of just that same thing with, I think with garage door openers now. It's just anybody. I don't know. It was a little, a uh, little frightening. Um, but the- Kevin, Kevin Mitnick, just that I wanted to confirm. There's actually a site, uh, no before K N O W B E the number four com. That's his um, security consulting service, mm-hmm. and he actually writes uh, very interesting, or his company at least. I don't know who's doing the writing. Uh, writes some very interesting security related stuff. So when you mentioned his name, I thought he was going to we're going to point at his blog. I actually do not read his blog. But it's, another, it's another good one to be, at least be aware of. It does highlight security issues like what you just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, excuse me. I'm doing little things like that. And, uh, but the, 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 the fun tech thing I did this week was that we're going to be putting uh, in, in the basement, not far from my, my office here, a, uh, a movie room. And, uh, uh, you know, with a with a projector and decent sound and everything, and there are several companies here in Portland that are basically con, you know consultant services that will uh, help you do that, or will just turnkey just do it for you. So we had this this uh, this meeting, and I got to sit. You know, my friend and I got to to go and, and sit, and, and there are several like demonstration movie rooms where they can show different screens and different audio and, and stuff. Uh, and that was super fun. I mean, I thought it was going to be okay, but I mean, it was, it was super fun for them to like turn on, you know, some sci-fi movie and, and then the, you can hear the, the sound coming at you in, in ways that, that uh, you don't expect. I, I was pretty familiar with like 5.1 surround sound. And you know, according to these people, like, yeah, that's that's last decade's technology, and and what what they're pushing now is uh, the Sony Atmos system, which can has more speakers placed in different locations and two subwoofers, and 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 uh, instead of being like five point one, it was 
this one room that we tried, which had this amazing sound, was uh, I think it was 5.1.4. And that last number is, is they have these little, that, that, these little caps that kind of go on the speaker towers and kind of aim the sound up. So they can like place sound anywhere arbitrarily in a room using these, oh. these speakers. Uh, it was real amazing. Um, and uh, so yeah, I went in there thinking, okay, you know, I have this much budget to spend in my home theater. I'm just like, Oh wait, but that, <laughs> you know, they, they did their job and they, they made me, uh, they blew your budget, huh? Yeah. Well, haven't, haven't, haven't committed anything yet, but uh, it, uh, it was pretty darn impressive. You know, then they, they do the 4k projector and, you know, literally this one projector will, the screen changes size uh, to for different aspect ratios. You know, if you're watching a movie, it's 169 or mm-hmm. whatever the other aspect ratios are for, for film, you know, and the, like, the screen is actually like the motors actually change the, the screen size and uh, it just, just beautiful. I mean, it's, this is going to be some of the home theater stuff was uh, super impressive. So. so are you going 4k or are you going to go for 8k? Cause that's like right in the pipeline now too, isn't it? I, I I only asked for for 4K. I think that will be that will be an improvement over what I'm used to. And uh, better not show me 8K <laughs> so I've seen 4K and it's beautiful and I like it. So uh, I don't think they're making a lot of 8K digital. Not stuff. yet. I I read or maybe I just stumbled into it somewhere. I think Netflix is starting to make 8K available, which of course really doesn't do anything for anybody except maybe on a computer screen because most people don't have 8K monitors. Right. Um, but still. It's coming. You know, it's always coming. At some point, there's got to be a point of diminishing return, right? I mean, at some point, it's got to be so big, you know, so, such high resolution that even if it were blown up to building size, you still wouldn't be able to recognize an individual pixel anymore. Well, the, the, the diminishing return, I think, is uh, I'm 49 years old and my eyes aren't getting any better. <laughs> <laughs> That's the argument I keep hearing for the sound system. <laughs> I'm 62 years old and they, they play back frequencies that apparently I can't hear anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some older relatives, let's say, and they watch the TV by themselves in their house all day, all week long. And then every once in a while, a guest like myself comes over and they turn the TV on and it is so loud mm. and they don't know it's loud because they're just, hard of hearing right. so they think it's fine and i'm just like blown away and of course it's bad sound too it's not any of this stuff that we're talking about i, I think the problem with the 4, 4k i have a 4k tv now and it's you know finding the source i mean yes there's some netflix stuff that is and i, when I can rent stuff on itunes it's 4k but like my uh, i don't know if this is true or not maybe you guys know but i got the uh direct tv guy over um, because they have a 4k offering and he came over and uh, was doing some other stuff. I put the dish up there and I was like, okay, but I want the 4k thing. Cause I've got 4k TV now. And he goes, no, you don't want 4k. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, well, we have like a demonstration channel and a couple really other lame channels that sometimes have 4k, hmm. but most of it is not even 1080. It's 1080 I. Right. And he mm. said that broadcast all the networks, all those broadcast networks, they are giving us 1080i. And we're just, you know, it's not up to us. That's what they give us. So he said, if you got cable, if you got the other satellite provider, you're all, you're getting 1080i on that. So 
you, you don't want the, us to wire your house up for 4K and spend all that extra now unless you just want to watch the same, like, you know, Planet Earth demo over and over again in your basement. <laughs> we, went, we went through this a few years ago, actually, with DirecTV because I noticed the channels there. Uh, I think, gosh, one of, the, one, of those day, one of those years when the big thing at the electronics show, I think the Consumer Electronics Show, was 3D. Remember that? 3D TV. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And there that were a half it. dozen channels of 3D, you know, 3D content on direct TV. Mm-hmm. And you had to sign up for it and you had to have the equipment. And you'll notice that those aren't there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was so it was so promising. Some of the stuff. I remember they had the stuff that would track your eyes and you know, was showing different you different pixels for each eye. And that was all advanced. And, oh, maybe that'll be the future. And, you know, no, I don't know. I mean, 3D, I saw my first 3D movie, I think, like in 1982 or something like that. Yeah. And it was 2019, and we still, well, 3D in movie theater still sucks. I don't care what anybody says. Yep. They, they put a lot of stuff in 3D. I avoid it. And every once in a while, I, I'm stuck with it, and I'm reminded why I avoid it. There are some movies that actually benefit from it. For example, we saw Avatar in 3D. And that, that movie... I, that actually, movie won't benefit from anything. <laughs> <laughs> that, Visually, I can, at least. That can't was, polish a turd, Leo. I, I, yeah, I, I think if you have a Blu-ray disc of it, I could, I could make that movie better. With, give me a hammer and a screwdriver. <laughs> and, and I can improve on so, that. So I take it you're not waiting for the sequel then, huh? I, am, I, I would pay money for them not to put a sequel out. <laughs> But like you, for you know, like all of the popular blockbusters that are out these days, uh, they're all you know make uh, available in the three D theater, and and we you know same thing. We just say no, no, just give me the other one, give me the two D. Right, because this the picture is blurry. I don't care what anybody says. Oh, yeah, there's three D. Right. But if you go see in two D, especially with modern equipment, and all that, you get this crystal clear, beautiful picture. Right up on the screen, lots of detail, super high. I mean, is it what is it? It's 8K. What is it up there on the screen? I don't know. Yeah, but it's fantastic. Why would you throw that away so you could see kind of like it's blurry around the edges, but you could see some objects are further than others? Yeah, I know the plane in the background is further away than the guy talking on the front of the screen. I don't need to actually have that visually represented. What's really funny is some movies you know that they do this on purpose, they have some random scene yeah. where something comes out of the screen sure. right you know there, there there's a sword or a stick or a fist or something and you see it in 2d and you go yeah and then you suddenly realize oh yeah that's there only for the 3d people mm-hmm. yeah ah. well that's one piece of of technology i've never liked the 3d stuff I mean, if they, and even if they get it, so say they, in the future, they get it perfect. We have, you know, glasses that are, you know, have a high definition screen in each eye and they get it perfect, right? It's beautiful. Um, you know, which is possible. It's possible. It doesn't have to be bad. It can be good. Even then you lose some stuff like there, you know, cinematography where you have the background is, you know, out of focus because the focus is on a character talking or an object or something like that. There'll be things that we just lose completely when it's 3d. So I don't know. It's true. Yeah. 
Well, I, a few weeks ago, I went to see uh, uh, the new Quentin Tarantino movie, and it was not in digital format. It was in 70 millimeter, and man, it was beautiful. Yes. And I saw it too, yeah. Yeah, so, so good. There's really, I don't want to be like, I, I, I was going to say I don't want to be one of those vinyl is better guys, but I, I, th- I think I do want to be that guy. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things where, man, the old technology just... Uh, well, you know what? So did you see it in 70 millimeter or 35 millimeter? Uh, 70. I, oh, because yeah. so I went and saw a special screening in 35 millimeter. See, I saw it. Mine was twice as good. Or, no, well, but the, oh, the idea, well, the idea was the reason they showed it in 35 millimeter was to be using the same, you know, level of quality as it would have been in 1969. Mm. And, you know, and since it was a movie about Hollywood, Right. Here's the idea sense. is like you're going, so it was a special 35 millimeter uh, presentation of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it, it was pretty neat. And actually, it, it was a nice reminder to tell you that, yeah, actually, movies do look better now <laughs> than yeah. they did just 10 years ago in 35 millimeter. I forgot you could, you know, see a lot of stuff, you know, the imperfections with uh, even a pretty brand new uh, 35 millimeter print still wasn't, wasn't perfect, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, my AV experience this week has been on the other side of the camera. I actually, uh, for the uh, uh, one of the organizations that I uh, support with my time, they had a, uh, a training session that I recorded that I did a two camera with an independent audio setup and, you know, just a, a short half an hour presentation. But, um, it was an interesting experience. What I learned is that I should definitely check my audio levels beforehand hmm. because I was overdriving my audio source. I was um. too enamored with the microphone. It's a, um, a Rode wireless. It's like these little, I think I may have mentioned it on the show before, little wireless. Uh, it's about the size, I don't know, of half of a matchbook. No, Matchbook actually makes, makes about the right sense. You clip to your uh, to the speaker, and then the other half just some distance away. And it, um, uh, you know, the the uh, the connection worked really, really good. In fact, it worked too good because the volume level was too high. It kept clipping. Hmm. But uh, that was my my little foray into the AV world of this weekend. It was kind of fun. Other than that, no, no, nothing really exciting going on out here. We. Uh, uh, we're definitely not moving. <laughs> we're in this house for, for until we die. I think twenty. We've been here for twenty three years, so um, it's uh, it's not a case of let's go find something different. We've filled this place up, and that's the part we dread looking at, looking into. I forget, Karen. Was your your new house is is it roughly the same size? It's roughly the same size, although it's kind of differently proportioned. the 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 basement is about a third of the square footage, so the living space for the family is, is the house feels smaller basically is, is what it, it comes down to, even though it's really the same size because a third of it is my office and what will be the movie room and stuff. So um, it was all very, I feel real bad about it now, actually. <laughs> We've, I mean, it is a little uh, selfish, but I didn't realize it at the time but as we were moving our stuff in going like oh this this bathroom's smaller you know this kitchen's smaller so it's a matter of trying to put the stuff that we've 
That's uh, kind of what I dread, right? I mean, it's, it's the classic thing where each house we've had has been successively larger than the previous one. Mm-hmm. We've never had to face, you know, each our our possessions tend to expand to uh, uh, to the house we happen to be in. Mm. And the next time around, I mean, we're not getting a bigger house. If anything, we're getting smaller for sure. Sure. Um, and uh, that is the part that I dread because we've just got too much stuff. But your your house is a single level place, right? No, no. no I've got, oh. it's, technically, I guess I'd call it um, two. It's two full stories with a uh, um, a basement as well under mm. half of it. So yeah, there's there's lots of many square feet. Many yeah. Square yeah. And a lot of it is just full. <laughs> Many square feet of dogs getting fed right now. In case dog, it's just all dog food and stuff. Yeah. That's all. Those corgis, man, they take up a lot of space. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't think it. You wouldn't think yeah, it. You think you'd just be able to fit them all in a little closet, you know, and a little dog house in the backyard, but nope. Anything new and exciting with you, Gary? Uh, not too much. I've got some AV stuff going on, but I'm still in the process of working some things out. So I'm, I'll, I'll save that for next time. Cool. Um, let's see. I mean, there's the Apple announcements and stuff, right? Uh, little, yeah, yeah. Little, uh, weird for me because, um, I was like thinking they were going to say, you know, here's some new stuff and, oh yeah, by the way, Mac OS Catalina is now available. And so I had an entire course. I worked two straight weekends all the way through to get my Catalina course done, ready for that. And then they say, yeah, not sometime in October. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. <laughs> I want my weekends back. So now I'm sitting on this Catalina course, and uh, that felt really weird um, to you know have all that done but not be able to release it. And then, you know, the uh, yeah, you know, the phones look good. I ordered. Got up Friday morning, ordered the phones for, I'm getting one and my wife's getting a new one too. She's due. Um, so looking forward to that, especially the photography stuff uh, with the triple camera system and some of the video stuff. Did you guys catch any of the, uh, any of the keynote presentation? I watched, I watched that whole stupid thing. You did? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I was, you know, it's really what I'm looking forward to trying out is, you know, the, that app with, that records all three cameras at the same time. And, you know, so you can do the wide shot and the telephoto shot and all that and switch between them. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like, that's pretty cool. I also heard, I read today that uh, that it's not quite ready yet in the software, but the iPhone 11 and even the previous generation from last year have the ability to record the front and back camera at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's just that they have to, they put the hardware in there and they, they're catching up with the software. So you'll be able to do some interesting things with that, you know, uh, being able to, I don't know if you could record quite 360, but you can, I don't know. Sometimes it would be neat to have a mode in the camera where you're at the bottom corner and the mainframe is like the beautiful scenery. Here's the Grand Canyon. Right, you get and the reaction shot in the corner. It, right. Yeah, right. you see yourself that, uh, yeah, it's like, that would be like that. I could see that being something people love posting online. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And so I should have, on Friday morning, I go pick up that new phone, and then I'll probably spend this weekend trying to put myself in places where they're pretty things to take pictures of. Maybe I'll go to the botanical gardens or the zoo or something like that and try to get some <laughs> photos. For, for photo opportunities? Photo opportunities, yeah. It's your photo um, opportunity. Now, they have, they, uh, so today, 
they did a surprise because we're supposed to on Thursday get Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. Well, I saw somebody posted that, hey, Apple Arcade seems to be available for some people. So, but you have to be on iOS 13.1 on an iPhone or iPad, right? Because the Apple TV new software isn't out yet. And I'm not, I don't have any beta version of that. And it's not working in Catalina. So sure enough, I grabbed my iPad that has my demo account on it. It's not even my regular Apple ID. And it showed up. And so I've spent this afternoon digging into the Apple Arcade games. I even live streamed some on YouTube. And I got to say, I was thrilled. I mean, I actually, it wasn't a chore at all. I was, I, I limited myself to three games pretty much at random because I don't, you know, there's so many, I don't want to, you know, just get bogged down. And I was like, I'm just going to pick three and I spent a couple days playing three. Mm-hmm. And I had a blast playing these three interesting games um, on the iPad. And I even used a controller with them. I have an Apple TV. It looks like an Xbox controller. But uh, it's for Apple TV, but I was playing this one game on my iPad, and I thought, this will be better with a controller. You know, it's Bluetooth. Maybe, let me try, okay, sync it, turn it on, and the game just worked. (laughs) I was able to play it with the game controller, which was nice. Um, The service is going to be $5 a month, right? Yeah, yeah, first month free, $5 a month. It seems like a deal. I mean, compared, like, what's what's it cost to, to buy a game for whatever ps2 or probably about well yeah for ps2 you're talking 20 to 50 bucks depending I was gonna on say for an xbox you're looking at more like 40 to 60 but yeah. for for yeah. for the the a title right you could right, right. actually but for like some of the stuff in xbox live they're you know 20 dollars games on there and some right. of those some of the, these games are more in that level but comparing it to say apps because these appear at least on the ipad they appear as apps uh once you download them so they each have their own icon um, you, uh, it, they're, you know, they're equivalent to what I would expect to pay $5, maybe even $8 for each. And here I just get them all. What I think is really powerful, what will make it successful is curation because, you know, there, there's supposed to be a hundred games in, uh, Apple arcade. And I hope they stick to that. Matter of fact, I think that number is too high. I think it should be less. I, the idea being that these developers, you have to pitch Apple and say, you know, here's the game and here's some demos and all this. And they agree to have it as part of Apple Arcade. And you don't have to go and look at an app store that has half a million games and be right. like, uh, I don't know what to play. Forget it. Never mind. Here it's like, here's some hand curated games. And I could just go and try, you know, okay, I don't like this type of game. I, I don't like it, this type of game. But this is a game I might enjoy. And you go into it and you just try it and then get into it because you're paying a subscription service. It's like music with Apple music or Spotify, you know, you're paying that monthly fee. So if you see an album, you don't have to go and say, should I spend the money just to hear it? No, right. Yeah. It's, that, it's there. Play. Go. Yeah, that hurdle of even just spending 99 cents for something. I'm like, am I, am I going to get a buck's worth of value out of this? You know, it, yeah. it, it's just kind of a mental hurdle, even, even if you're, you can afford it, you know? And, and um, yeah, but there's being able to like, yeah, I'll, I'll try this for 10 minutes, you know, see, yeah, it's sure. like exactly like pulling something on Netflix and trying it for a couple minutes and seeing if it's your thing. And also, you know, the whole idea, I, I, like I mentioned last week, of having you know this same game will be on Apple TV, so I can sit with my 4K TV and play it with the surround sound and all. I can play it on my iPad. I can play it on my Mac with a keyboard. You know, I can play it on my iPhone while I'm out. So I, you know, I don't know of any other system that kind of gets that wide of a, you know, playback scenario there. Um, so that's pretty cool. And then 
Uh, what else did Apple announce? Well, you know, just a regular iPad. Uh, I was hoping they'd announce iPad Pros, but, you know, just, just because I want to get one and I don't want to get the old one. <laughs> I, was, I was wondering about, you used to have to basically buy, when you were writing the iPad books yeah. and stuff, you'd have to buy every friggin' new model of iPad, right? And I have it. I have a drawer full of them to prove it. Yeah. <laughs> but but now the, that that book thing is, has has come to a close. So yep. do you still feel compelled to buy every iPad or no? No, and I actually so they they when I got the iPad Pro that I use now, that's my main iPad. That kind of like stopped that because every one that they came out with since then had supported the same stuff. Like mm-hmm. there was nothing I was missing out on. This year would have been different because now you've got USB-C on the iPad Pros from last year. Um, and, you know, but I'm not doing that book anymore. Like you said, I am going to do a course. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to do a course modeled on that book. Um, but so far, I've been able to do everything I need with this iPad Pro. Even the USB-C thing, I found that you get the same functionality if I use my SD card reader with the lightning port. It shows up like an external drive. So it's like, oh, I don't need to get the USB-C port just to demonstrate how an external drive works. It works the same uh, with something I already have. But I still want, I still want a new one because they're pretty cool. Those, I think that the current generation iPad Pros, the design is excellent, and uh, and you know it's far, it's far enough advanced over the 2016 model I have that uh, I'll probably definitely see some improvement in some places. So that's about it as far as the uh, Apple stuff. I mean, I'll, you know, next week I'll have much more interesting stuff to talk about because I'll have that, the iPhone 11 Pro Max. Wow. Holy yeah. Cow. Yeah, the big one. I, I didn't order one. I, I, I looked at it like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm going to see how much more blood I can squeeze out of my success. It, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> One day it'll be nice to have the 11 Pro, but I don't know. It, when it when it came down to actually pulling the trigger, I was just like, meh. You know, didn't feel like hopping on the train. I don't know what came over me. But it's funny. I think I mentioned to you guys before that uh, I've got a Google Pixel, and they're now up to. I think they're about to release the Pixel Four. There's lots of you know rumors and and leaked pictures and all that kind of stuff. But um, even when it shows up. Kind of like, okay, yeah. I mean, if my phone dies, that's the one I'll get. Yeah, yeah. But it's not so incredibly compelling to the way I use a phone that I feel the need to uh, to just take this perfectly good working phone and replace it. The only other scenario that would that that would make sense actually, now that I think about it, is if my wife's phone were to die. Mm-hmm. because um, this is a trickle-down family, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that would be my excuse. Sure. I definitely got some of that going on, because <laughs> uh, my, well, my wife's phone is actually, I was amazed how old her, hers is, because it was a trickle-down. So I'm like, oh, you haven't had that phone that long. Oh, but that was my phone first. <laughs> so it's, it's it really getting old. And then, um, uh, you know, our daughter has is anxious to get her hands on my phone, so, which makes it a more compelling case for me to upgrade. But, but I didn't get it. I didn't get one of the ones last year. So, I'm I can see it now. I'm, I'm upgrading for you, honey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do it for the children. Do it for the children. <laughs> children. Yeah. So. 
Yep. So what else we got going on? We got some stories. 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 Yes. News. Well, Kevin, you brought one up or somebody's put your name on it. About, again, yeah. we were talking was, about I, Netflix here a minute ago. I saw an interesting article at, uh, at Variety, the, like the entertainment industry pub. Do you read Variety regularly? Or? No, I just uh, stumbled upon it. You know, uh, I, I, I use the, uh, the, the Google, what's it called? Let me bring up this app. Uh, it's some sort of Google app. Um, it's called, it's called, just called Google on my, on my phone. Uh, and it, and it curates news stories, um, that it thinks would be interesting to me. I think it's Google now is, is what it might be called, but yeah. Okay. okay. Well, uh, okay. On my iPhone, it just says Google. Google. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I've been using it for a long time and it's, it's getting most of the time getting good at picking stories that, that, uh, do in fact interest me although I, I do spend a lot of time going like i it'll show me some thing about some some random actor or, you know some some uh the some south korean boy band i'm just like well, why, wait why well, i'm not interested in bts you know like let's that's it sometimes it's wildly off anyway i think i found this variety article uh through that so no i'm not a regular variety reader and the article is that uh, Netflix uh, bandwidth consumption is, for the first time in a long time, not the number one use of bandwidth in the United States. However, the thing that it's been eclipsed by is uh, everyone else. Oh. All, 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 all of basically all of the little video services have HTTP uh, streaming. Uh, for all the other little video services has slightly become slightly larger than the use of Netflix. So like the, the long tail use has is now more than actual uh, for streaming is actually more than Netflix itself. And that's long tail, not including YouTube, right? YouTube is also a, a self identity or yes. bucket much like Netflix is. Right. But I, I suppose this means this is like the, 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 the CBS now and the, PBS and you know all the other little station little <laughs> stations that uh, compared to Netflix. Um, so it says for the first half of 2019, HTTP media streaming represented 12.8 percent of downstream internet traffic worldwide, and Netflix uh, accounted uh, for 12.6 percent of, uh, of streaming. And also, so that was interesting, and thought okay, that was kind of cool. But it said. Um, Later, it kind of buried it. Said that said that in this report, um, this report said that it has measured anywhere between four to twenty five percent of subscribers accessing at least one illegal video stream on a weekly basis. What's an illegal video stream exactly? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, Watching a baseball game that you shouldn't. Uh, maybe something that's that's blacked out or yeah, blacked out. Watching something that somehow you're not authenticated to oh yeah 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 like, stealing it'd be interesting to understand how they determine what what what's being watched illegally right the only thing i can think of is you know okay great you're streaming video over a vpn okay yeah there's probably you know, yeah something going on but um i mean if you're just logging in with somebody else's credentials that's not I mean, that's not necessarily detectable. Well, the, the super interesting and, and the tantalizing yet vague sentence, it says, 
It says the rise in usage of HTTP media streaming comes amid growing popularity of piracy services. And, oh. and so apparently these are, you know, websites or services or something that people can use to see things that they're not supposed to be watching. Um, yeah, maybe, no, I, I, I think simple as sharing other people's, you know, Netflix accounts or something. Is this like the modern day equivalent of, of, you know, movie sharing on BitTorrent or something like that? I mean, yeah, I think yeah. what it is, is it's like there are people that will rebroadcast of like a network. Mm hmm. In, but, you know, and using some offshore server or something like that. And it is how, how people watch blacked out, you know, football games, basketball games, basically, whatever. They, that's one of the things those services do. But they'll also just do stuff like you could watch some bizarre, you know, you know, if your hometown channel, you know, isn't available, you know, Topeka, Kansas, you know, network news or whatever, you know, when you're California, you, you know, somebody's streaming it for some reason. And you can go in and watch that. or if it's from China or Brazil or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's probably, and then they could identify that because they would be these sites that just are not uh, used for anything legitimate. So, um, so the, the biggest uses of uh, downstream traffic are, as I said, the HTTP media stream followed by operate operator IPTV. Um, whatever that means. I think that's just, I don't know if that's, that's what they call it. And then Netflix and then YouTube, like you said, Leo. And then um, it's plain old HTTP downloads being 4.5% of what the internet's supposed to be for. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. And the rest of it is all spam. <laughs> True. <laughs> Facebook itself is uh, alone is 2.2% of uh, traffic. Holy cow. That's still quite a lot. I wonder if like their video offering gets bundled in their Facebook number or in the HTTP streaming. Hmm. But either know. way, I mean, yes, given the number of people and the amount of time people are spending on Facebook, that one actually doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. Oh, oh. And also I was kind of like delighted <laughs> this week. Um, I, I had mentioned, Principles? Oh. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah. I mentioned long ago when we first started this, this podcast that I was using a movie pass and to see, Yes, a yeah. lot of a lot of movies, and then I, and then later I was just like, mm, it's this this is a hot mess. It it, it got worse and worse, and uh, eventually you know, we we let our things lapse. Um, a couple of days ago, MoviePass shut down. It it uh, they just they called it, and if you go to MoviePass.com, you can see this you know big long letter of you know the, the typical like thank you for support. We work so hard, and we can't believe that you know how how this you know this this service that costs nothing let yet let uh, cost us you know millions of dollars a week we can't don't imagine can't imagine how that that uh, that didn't work out but that's, was yeah. there a revenue model did you have to pay for a movie pass yes uh, it was it was like uh, it, it varied but 70 or or 99 dollars a year and originally it was unlimited movies and then they changed it to a, a movie a day and then they changed it to three movies a week and <laughs> Um, but then you had to, you had to like log in. You have to tell them like, I'm going to go see, you know, this movie today at this theater. And then they would only have a certain number. This really vague sort of like uh, tripwire of, 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 uh, Oh, we don't have any more passes for that movie today. So you, 
you know, literally, but you had to log in and do this, you know, an hour before seeing the movie. So there was a couple of times where literally we were like getting in the car, we're on the way to the theater and you log in and it was just like, oops, sorry, you can't go see the movie. And it's just like, well, what are we going to do now? You know, we have to pay for this movie like, like schlubs or, <laughs> you know, go home, and take a nap. So it got, it got worse and worse and worse. And now every time me or anyone else saw a movie, it costs them full retail price. <laughs> right. So, so they basically for, you know, they had $99 to play with and it was costing them what, depending on what city I was in, nine or 11 or $20 every time I saw a movie. So it was not a real good business model. Um, and it finally ended. Hmm. It's fun while it lasted. It was weird while it lasted. Yeah. <laughs> True. True enough. So anyway, uh, people are watching Netflix and other things on, on television. That is my story. Stick into it. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So we're, we're slowly doing the, uh, we're, we're cutting the cord without cutting the cord. And by that, I mean, we're still doing our direct TV because there's things on direct TV and ways we can use direct TV that we it's can't a real long cord to reach the satellite. It's a very long cord. Yes. Um, but you know, yes, we've got Netflix because of this show and yes, we've got CBS all access because of that show. And yes, we've got Hulu because of this show and Hulu, Hulu annoyed the hell out of me, but I fell for it anyway. Um, I got, so we're watching of all things, Veronica Mars. That's what, um, we started. So last year, uh, you could get Hulu around Christmas time for like 99 cents a month. Yeah. That's the deal we're on. We did that which got us, you know, kind of hooked into Hulu. And then all of a sudden Veronica Mars shows up this summer on Hulu and we're watching the first couple of episodes. And man, I, I got so sick and tired of a specific family of commercials hmm. um, for insurance of all things. Mm -hmm. um, I won't name brands, but anyway, um, it, uh, it said, okay, fine. You know what? I will pay to make this go away. <laughs> and I signed up for their ad-free service. And yes, ad-free is wonderful. It's just ugh, more money every month. So we're going about this whole cord cutting thing the wrong way. But Did I, did, did I talk about, boy, my memory's getting bad, but did I talk about how I had my DirecTV dish realigned a couple, like a month ago? No, no. Okay, okay. So this satellite is, this move. Is tech. Yeah. Well, this I thought you like were leaving tech. Directv. Actually. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, but because it, it was so expensive and everything. But it was after that that I was like, well, some. It was going out on me. Like it would be weird. I'd lose signal. Sure. While watching something, and I was like, why? Why am I? You know. And it was when the weather was bad. But then sometimes it was when the weather wasn't bad. So I was getting pissed off at it. So, I, and I kept going out to the dish and I would, the dish was actually not that high up. It was on my garage and I was able to stand under it and maybe it was only like, I could probably reach it with my hand. Like if, you know, so it, it was just above my head and I could stand under it and I could look and say, it is pointed at clear sky. What, why there's nothing in the way. So I call, I eventually just got sick of it. And I called and said, fix my dish. It's something's not working. And the guy came out. And he goes, oh, your tree's blocking it. And I do have a tree over to one side that has been growing. It's a big old tree. And I, I did notice it is bigger than it ever has been before. <laughs> and um, But I'm like, but that's not in the line of sight. The line of sight right here is this way, you know. And he goes, yeah, okay, so you notice this is only happening on some stations. 
and never on others? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, so there are three satellites. <laughs> right. One of them is straight yeah. ahead, and the others are off by a few degrees on either side. All the stations that you're having trouble with are that one that's off to the side that your tree is blocking. And Cut down like, the tree, problem solved? Yeah, really. And so <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, yeah uh, parabolic uh, antenna, you know. It's, so they're coming in at these different angles, but it doesn't matter because they're all being redirected into the focus point mm-hmm. of you know the receiver. It didn't occur to me. I think it was, I was still thinking of the old circular antennas that way back in the day. Um, so anyway, uh, so yeah, the problem is a tree. And the solution was to move the dish over as much as they could to the edge of my property, like to the edge of the garage. Uh, and he's like, uh, the way that TV's uh, the tree is growing three to five years and then you're just your only option is to have somebody come in and trim the tree you might have moved by then well no is it your tree but then but then he said he said but and i was like i know what you're going to say but three to five years no way we're getting uh our tv from a satellite because direct tv is <laughs> already moving to they're already you know have the direct tv now Right, right. Dish has been doing the same thing too with Sling. They're already moving online, and they haven't launched any new satellites in years. Right, and these things have a lifespan, and there is there are no plans. And I don't think now the money the money that comes in, uh, you know, with the competition from all the streaming services, I don't think any of these companies can afford to launch new satellites anymore. Like I think that you know AT and T owns Directv now, and I don't see AT and T budgeting for a satellite launch to keep direct TV going for another 10 years. Um, so I, yeah, it's going to be like, okay, this new position of the dish will last until we have, you know, direct TV is completely uh, delivered by IP. It's funny. I uh, just last week, there was an article I ran across that said um, direct TV is hemorrhaging subscribers. Uh, yeah. They've dropped like a million. I don't know what percentage that even is, but it's like a lot of subscribers and it's all for exactly that reason that, that, um, you know, they're expensive and so right. much is available streaming these days that there's just cutting the cord um, is, is a very, very viable, very viable alternative for a lot of people. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the landscape looks like. Uh, the physical landscape as in your tree. And <laughs> yeah. The, nice. uh, the uh, television landscape. Um, out of curiosity, is it your tree? Yes. Okay. Yep. So yes, if in five years we decide that you need to keep it on, you can, you know, trim the tree. Yeah, I could probably buy one of those like super long poles that has a little cutter at the top and take out a couple of branches and stuff. But no, I I I, I'm, I already would be interested in going to internet only uh, version either of Directv or you know YouTube or you know whatever whoever right. you know there's several competitors except that you know Major League Baseball still insists that you either have Directv Dish or um, Comcast. That's it. If you don't have those three, you cannot see your local games. The problem that is preventing me from literally cutting the cord is uh, we have multi-receivers here, and the DirecTV is the one that everybody knows how to use. It's very simple. It's very straightforward compared to, okay, so down here on the Xbox, you need to run this app to watch those shows and that app to watch these shows. And the interface is ever so slightly different between the two. And, and by the way, on the, on the TV downstairs, you need to fire up the Roku. And on the TV over here, it's, you know, it's just it's way too confusing, whereas direct 
TV is basically direct TV at each of those locations. So at some point that problem is something that, uh, you know, a seamless solution for that problem will, uh, will go a long way to enabling some cord cutting around here at least. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. The remote control thing is, yeah, <laughs> that's a problem, problem in our yeah. household as well. So I got to mention, um, this is actually quote unquote breaking news. Um, this morning, uh, it was announced that uh, LastPass had just fixed a vulnerability in their software. Um, and in fact, if you're running LastPass, you can check to make sure you're running the latest version, but you probably already are because LastPass actually does a pretty good job of updating itself. Um, there were no known exploits of this in the wild. It's just one of those things where, um, yep, you know, under this set of circumstances, uh, if you visit a malicious site and this happened and that happened, then uh, that malicious site could presumably see your login credentials for the site on which you last used LastPass or something like that. Yikes. Well, that's the thing. It's yikes, but it's not really. I mean, it's, it's another one of those things where the stars have to be aligned just right for that to actually be an issue for oh. people. And for the most cases, it's never going to align that way. And by the way, they fixed it before anybody started exploiting it anyway. Um, the concern I've got, uh, so you know, like I said, you're, you're not very vulnerable, you know, unless you're the kind of a person who uh, doesn't update their software. Uh, so you're still running an older version of LastPass and you like to go hop, skip and jumping around various malicious websites you know, if you like to run around the questionable web, then uh, yeah, okay, fine. You might have an issue, but um, in all honesty, if that's if that's a good characterization of how you deal with the internet, you're kind of sort of getting what you deserve. Um, and so, and of course, like I said, what you need to do is just stay up to date. That's that's not a big deal. Here's the thing, though, and it's one of these things that that sets me off in a get off my lawn kind of way. Um, <laughs> People will overreact to this. People will say, oh, my God, there's a you know, vulnerability in, in LastPass, and it's stealing passwords, and yada, yada, yada. No, no, it's not. There's not a vulnerability anymore. It's been fixed. It was never exploited. Um, everything is safe. But they will continue to use that to foster, to feed their fears for what they consider to be a single point of, of contact for all of their authorization, all of their, their authentication mechanisms. When in, and what it will do is it will cause a few more people to stop using a password manager and go to less secure mm. alternatives, like oh, using the same password everywhere or using a simple password they can remember or, you know, putting it on a post-it note on their monitor. I mean, whatever. There, there, there is... This is not evidence that a password manager is a bad idea. In fact, the way that LastPass handled it was the right way, right? They got responsible disclosure from someone, they fixed it, they pushed the fix, and then they told everybody about it. Um, they didn't have to do any of those things, and they did them all, uh, which is exactly what I want out of something as important as a, as a password manager. So, like I said, I'm a, little, I'm a little concerned that, you know, as a result of all this, nobody will be directly... Uh, affected by the the exploit, the vulnerability that no longer exists, 
but in reality, they'll be indirectly affected because they will overreact and stop using a password manager when in fact a password manager is still the best way to keep a lot of different passwords, a lot of complex passwords, a lot of passwords that you would never ever be able to remember on your own, safe and secure and use the internet safely. So that's my little rant. Don't abandon your password manager just because there's a fix, you know, because there was a, there was a vulnerability that never hit the streets. Um, so out of curiosity, what do you guys use? Well, I use, so I've been using 1Password since, boy, I, I, it may even be before, I don't know when LastPass came out, but a long time I've been using 1Password. Right. Yeah. People didn't even know what password managers were. Sure. Sure. And I'm still using it. And actually, somebody asked me about it the other day. Um, they asked me about uh, whether I use 1Password's one pa- one online service, like what you're talking about with LastPass. Right. Yep. And I've been using it so long that I used it back when there were, all you could do was store it in a vault on your Mac you know, or your PC. So it was local. There was no online version. And then they introduced a feature where you could uh, have it online. Like you could put your vault online like in Dropbox. Right. So it was basically just a file in Dropbox. There was nothing special about it. Except no special thing. I do, yeah. Yeah. And so I am still doing that. And they were like, why don't you switch to 1Password's own system? And I'm like, well, I think if I was starting from scratch today, that's what I would do. But since I already have it set up in its own little file that is all mine and nobody else has access to, then I'm just going to keep it that way. Yeah. Because there's yeah. no reason for me to really change. It works great. And I mean, I am adding new devices all the time. And by that, I mean, I'm testing out software. So I'm always wiping machines and, you know, and then I, okay, the first thing I need to do is install Dropbox because the second thing I need to do is install one password. <laughs> and it, it's not going to work until I have Dropbox mm-hmm. in there. So, um, so yeah, the, uh, and I can tell you as of even this week, it's, that still works so easy, easily and flawlessly to grab my vault and Dropbox, of course, being uh, a cloud service, it's the file sitting on my Mac as well, which means it's backed up right. to my local backup and my remote backup. So that, that encrypted file is in plenty of places. I'm not going to lose it. Do you have, um, are you, do you have a paid Dropbox plan? Yes, I do. So you also then have, of all things, uh, some amount of file history on that file. That's true. Which means yeah. not only is it backed up, you know, old versions of it are also available to you should you need to uh, recover them, which is actually kind of That's cool. a good point. I also use 1Password. I've been using it forever. Uh, I probably honestly learned about it from Gary. So less, I've been probably using it for less time than Gary, but for many years, my I'm just checking my first email from that I can find for them right now is 2011. So, um, and I'm using one password six and I don't think it's the most recent version because now it seems like, I mean, it's now it's a subscription service. It's $3 a month. And however I did it back in the day, last time I upgraded, it was just, it was software you bought, which is, I'm from, which I like, you know, I just, I bought the software and it's mine and it's not a monthly fee. And, uh, and I've recommended 1Password fairly recently to people, and they go to the website, and they're just like, it's a subscription service. It's $3 a month. And I'm just like, yeah, I get it. So I don't know if eventually, Gary, you and I are going to be forced to switch over to to, to this being a, a monthly fee service, or, or if somehow we're grandfathered in, or I'm just kind of keeping my head in the, in the dirt about this one. I'm just trying to... <laughs> I, think I, I, I think I have switched. 
I mean, I'm not paying per month. I'm paying it per year, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think I've switched. You can get um, which I, there are two versions, if I remember correctly. I think you could get it in the Mac App Store, and I think that's just a pay thing. Hmm, and I think you can get it from that. I, I can't remember now, but um, see, I'm not that opposed to uh, not opposed at all to software as a subscription because as a developer i know the pains that developers feel like you know of i mean i just just in this last month i have gotten a support request from somebody that bought a piece of software from me like in 2003 you know it doesn't even work on modern computers and it's like uh, why am i taking time out of my day to help you get your game working on your new windows machine because you paid me 20 bucks so long ago um and it's kind of the same thing here you know these developers there's uh you know us all developers got sick of like people not buying the upgrades and expecting support for all these years plus expecting you to come out with new versions of everything uh but yet you have people that still aren't supporting you in any way you know there's no i don't know so i think I think it's a good thing, uh, you know, and I'm happy yeah. to pay Adobe and Microsoft uh, annual fees for their software. Right. And I never worry about updates or anything like that. I, you know, they'll always have the latest running. And uh, there are probably a few small companies like, for instance, uh, maybe 1Password, I guess, that I pay a subscription fee to as well for their software. And, and um, my, my take fine. on it is that regardless of what you think about all the other subscription services, like, you know, Microsoft Office is a good example, which I think is a great deal, but not everybody agrees. Um, um, Adobe is expensive, but again, because of the software you're getting, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, but when it comes to security, when it comes to something like a password vault, yes, please, let me give you money so that you have the resources mm-hmm. to make this product good. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I mean, think about it. They're sitting there. Uh, yeah, I, none of us have actually looked into the details, but if you're a password a vault company, a password manager company, I mean, having like, okay, we have 200,000 people paying us a subscription fee, and that's our monthly thing. I mean, that, believe me, that motivates you to right. yeah, keep updating, keep doing that, other, rather than saying, okay, sales have been drooping for the last few months. Should we come out with the whole, should we come out with version eight, version nine? What do we do? You know, I don't know. It's a lot, it probably is a lot better. I, I think it is. That's why all the software companies want to do it. It's just, it's, I know it's hard for people. I know, especially now with Catalina coming out, right? This is a big issue because macOS Catalina comes out, 32-bit apps are not supported. Mm-hmm. So you're getting tons of people saying, I'm still using my 10-year-old version of Photoshop or my 10-year-old version of, of Microsoft Word and they're not going to work anymore. And part of me is like, oh, you know, this sucks. But another part of me is like, oh, you know, you're if you, you're using Photoshop from 10 years ago and you're using it where it's important to you. So you're using it pretty often. But you haven't paid Adobe anything in 10 years. As a software developer, I think, oh, that just doesn't seem right. You know, you come up with software and then 10 years people are using it and they value it. They find value in what you created. Yeah, it's- the, the counter argument, and, and I'm, kind of, I'm with you, Gary. I mean, I, I don't mind supporting um, the developers of the software that I use, especially the software that I rely on. But, um, you know, if you take the other point of view that says, you know what, I bought this thing. I own this thing. Why should I have to keep paying for this thing? Um, if I were a contractor, you're not going to charge me a subscription service for my hammer. Right, it's a one and done thing. Um, 
So it depends on what you think of what you think the software should and should be over time. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Software is something that it just needs to be updated. There's new stuff that hap- it comes out, new, new hardware comes out, new techniques. I mean, you know, it's, I think of video editing software, for instance, like I used to have somebody that did my video editing for me because video editing software used to be so complex that I couldn't be bothered dealing with it. And then video editing software got better. Right. There was competition. People came out with new ways to hear how you could trim and combine videos and, and apply transitions and let's make this smoother and faster and better. And it, you know, it's always getting better. And you know, that happens because people are buying new pieces of software, you know, and you, and you want to like keep improving your product. Um, it's different than a hammer, you know, a hammer, if somebody came out with, oh, I don't know why in a couple thousand years nobody ever thought of this, which is better than a hammer. You know, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't happen. You buy a hammer and it's Those it's are called hammer. Na- nail guns, actually. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't, I don't know, you, you know, the stuff you can't uh, bang a stake in, in the garden down to the ground with a nail gun, right? Hammer <laughs> is, bang, hammers a, like this very versatile tool. Nobody owns a nail gun and not a hammer, right? Mm. So, I don't know. Software is different. Software, you can't compare it to the certain tools that. And yet, and don't yet, change. I mean, as as I'm sure you know, people do right. People do treat it as a thing they buy rather than you know that that they expect um, you know that future versions or or updates or whatever will always be available for them because they bought the thing, whereas you know in reality. Um, there's way, way, way more to software. Well, and, and, and it's changing, no matter whether people like it or not. Right. It's definitely changing because new software developers are coming coming around, and, and this is clearly the way to develop software now, to be sustainable, to right. sustain you know, yourself as a developer. Um, and it, it's, going, it's shifting to that, and it's halfway there, and it's going to be all the way there in a few years. And, you know, there's... There's no way right. It's because the original model was wrong. The original model of you were, you own the software is wrong. You don't own the software. It's not yours. Somebody wrote that. Somebody owns the copyright to the code, the patents to the algorithms, all that stuff. Um, it's you yep. are licensing it yep. for use. Yep. And you know, subscription is a better way to license software for the developer. And what's better for the developer is better for the customer because it will result in better software, which is what you want. Nobody says, I really want a piece of crappy software. Can I buy one of those? (laughs) So anyway, that's my rant as a developer and, and all of that. So So, apparently for this episode, Kevin is the only rant free member. Come on rant, Kevin. What do you got? No, I'm sorry. I'm I'm too busy uh, planning, writing the, uh, the business plan for my new startup for a, a hammer subscription service. <laughs> <laughs> Free printable hammers. <laughs> you know, yeah, they have, you can, you can rent tools, right? There's actually, we have a tool library, I think it's called mm-hmm. in my, somewhere in my neighborhood. I hear about from time to time where you can actually go and borrow. There's a shed or warehouse somewhere and you could borrow pay, pay x number of dollars a month for access to that. And you've got your hammer as a subscription service. Sorry, Kevin, it's already been done. Exactly. <laughs> But I already, the domain name is going to be like H-A-M-R-R or something like that. I'm sure that'll be there. <laughs> Uber <laughs> Hammer. <laughs> Somebody drives it to your house and <laughs> drops oh, it off. Wait.
I think we need to stop before oh, God. this gets any worse. It's the longest episode ever. <laughs> Is it? Yeah, we're, we're going out there. Okay. All right, gang. The show notes for this week are at tehpodcast.com slash teh80. They'll be slightly longer, apparently, than normal. <laughs> you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at the TEH Podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening, and we will see you here again next week. Good night, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.